Hi, it's Chuck from Above That Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. This is part two of our conversation with Blue Man Group. We sat with resident general manager Jonathan Scrency, Blue Man Mike Brown, and drummers Kyle Harris and Kevin Asmus before a performance at the Charles Playhouse. We come in just as Jonathan walked into the room to join us about an hour into our talk. You just heard a piece from their latest album, Three, called Dispatches One, followed a bit later by Dispatches Two, and at the end, a piece called Giacometti. So here is part two of our conversation with Blue Man Group, recorded at the Charles Playhouse in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, yeah. Jonathan. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Hey, come on in. Grab an orange, orange chair. chair. Are your ears burning? We literally just brought you up. Oh, really? Yeah. We were talking Thanks. about Party the sets. recent yeah. purchase of... Blue Man by Cirque du Soleil, and yes. uh, how that's changing, or hopefully, you know, making things, not that things weren't, were bad for you, but uh, hopefully expanding a few things for you guys. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah we're extremely excited about the acquisition and entering into the, the Cirque family. So I, I think, uh, you know, we're in, in the early stages of uh, planning our next steps and how that that integration works. It just happened, right? Just, just happened, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think essentially it's it's continuing on the pathway trajectory of the show extending itself, both as far as just longevity, its relevance, its creative content. And so I think Cirque du Soleil is excited in being part of that and being able to facilitate that in a way that we may have not been able to do on our own. So we're extremely excited. I mean, the f- focusing on definitely the health of the existing resident sit-down shows, which have had incredibly long runs, you know, and sustaining those both creatively and financially and also, you know, our incredibly successful tours. A lot of um, unique DNA as far as the origins of both companies and their mission statement and, and philosophies that just mesh really well. Yeah, and artistically too. I don't know much about Cirque du Soleil when it started, but, you know, the, the evolution of Blue Man itself when it started literally in the streets of New York, just on the concept of interaction, community performance is sort of a similar theme. Absolutely. And it just started really organically with just one or two or three guys <laughs> with a kind of a, a crazy idea, a vision wanting to make an impact. Yeah, there were street performers and Chris, Matt and Phil were in New York City working together at a catering company, you know, and that's kind of where they started doing all the throwing and the catching of the cheese and just screwing around in the uh, it was in cheese first. In the kitchen. Uh, it, it probably was like carrots or something first. Right. I don't know. Grapes, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mike's very good at catching grapes in his mouth mm-hmm. at baseball fields. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's real old school. Mm-hmm. I remember when I when I first got hired, Corey, who's our assistant manager here, he he sent me a video, a history video of the company to watch. And one point in it, they interviewed Chris, Matt, and Phil's employer at the catering company. He was like, "Yeah, those guys would just, you know, they're just always catching stuff in their mouths." Like, <laughs> so from the beginning, and, I guess. But Jonathan, we you know we we've been talking about the connection with each other on stage as sort of an eight nine piece basically, and the rhythm and how music. Music and art sort of comes together for communication. We talk a little bit about community too. I could summarize the rest of the podcast. So you don't have to listen to the whole thing. Later, but, <laughs> yes. um, the, but I'm curious, you know, we wanted to get a sense for there's a reason why we're talking here in Boston and what's special about this place. I think it was the second mm-hmm. after New York, right? Yeah. What is it about Blue Man Group in Boston that has a unique factor? It's almost analogous to what Mike and what uh, Kevin and Kyle were talking about. What's interesting is that the Blue Men are all similar. Or they're, they're kind of the same in a sense, but they are all have different personalities. And there's different nights. So it's almost analogous to the cities. There's a similarity of Blue Men, but what is it about Boston personality? Speaking to it from the, maybe the inside-out perspective first, I mean, I mean, Boston was the second show, and it was also what was unique about it was that you know it was the first 
show where the creators realize that, oh, wow, someone else can do these characters other than us. <laughs> you know? And that means we can also open another show and go somewhere. So that, that was like a big revelation. It was like, you know, really them, the three original guys doing all the shows. Right. Um, and it was, you know, interconnected with their own personalities and was this character. But, you know, just coming to Boston was, it was a real collective project. Like, we actually have to not only transfer the show into a new space, a new community, but we have to figure out a way to communicate to people who don't know anything about this, to perform it on our behalf of the original musicians and the original um, Blue Men. You know, and I think they chose Boston initially as <laughs> the guys for proximity <laughs> purposes, because at first they, you know, they really had to go back and forth huh. between New York and Boston. And, and with that transfer of information, they of course had to be intimately involved. We didn't have you know, artistic directors, and pr- it, wasn't, it wasn't an organization, it was just a small little theater group that was doing a show that now wants to open another show, collaborating with a producer in Boston who's providing a theater to make it happen. So, you know, I think the, the connection to Boston just grew over the years of us growing up in this community, you know. I look at you know, Rami and all the people that I've worked with that have come through the show. It's pretty amazing, you know. It, it cuts across people who are in the music scene and the, in the theater scene, people who you know, have gone to Emerson and studied. And so it's, it's this continuously renewing place where artists who are either living here or going to school here are able to kind of come together and participate in this Blue Man project and kind of make their own imprint on it and take something away from it. As the show's evolved, you know, we've been here 15, 20 years, one of the things that we've really tried to focus on are these kind of outreach events like the Drum Off. Yeah. What I like about that is having a show that's been here for so long, there's a certain amount of, I am a Bostonian, so but also as an extension, the theater that I'm lucky to resident general manage you know, is part of, of this community too. We're doing a show, there's entertainment, it's a ticket, there's a transactional thing, but there's something else beyond that. That's something I'm very personally connected with, and I think yeah. most people here are as well. So I'm hoping some of that maybe just translates and that is what people kind of read. I think it's funny when you ask people, and this is not uncharacteristic to maybe Chicago too, which is the third show that opened up, but I think it happens maybe a little more in Boston. If you ask people kind of where Blue Man started, they were like, oh, it started here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was the first. Huh. They almost like, like, you know, brag about it. Like, yeah, I, li- I like Blue Man Group. I was in Boston the first time. And so, you know, a huge part of our audience are, are locals that have seen the show and come back and see it. Mm-hmm. You know, they maybe saw it like in college, you know, um, or they were doing, you know, volunteer, or they're bringing their kids. Volunteer ushering with their kid. Now they're bringing their kids back. You know, they remembered it as, as being this kind of, you know, rite of passage thing. There's a certain point in their life that really connected with them. They want to expose the kids to it. So this kind of that Bostonian generational thing <laughs> that kicks in as well. It's cool that there's a show that's still kind of relevant and speaks to people, and that's still what kind of amazes me. You know, little kids, adults, you see it a couple times. It's it's something worth worth revisiting, you know, at different times in your life with different different people who are important to you. And that speaks to the bond in every show that you that Mike was talking about. It's yeah. a very people tight can come family. and come out oh. come out of the show literally and have that sort of feeling of a community and a, a bond of something they just experienced together that was very unique. I mean that I, is the ultimate point of the show. I think if you want to still it down to it's you know, we talk about it we're a catch word, but like connection to connectivity. The cheese, the the art, you know, the commentary, the end point you want to it's bringing people together in some special way that they don't get to do in normal everyday circumstances in life or or even how they interact with a show like what is a show and the presentation on stage breaking down that barrier and connecting is the way to do it through nonverbal gestures through music through physical interaction so it, it manifests in the performance in the community and then it's a deliberate part of the show where we try to engage people 
on that level. So um, we have to kind of distill it down. What's unique that people take away from the show that makes them kind of feel passionate about it or a certain sense of ownership. But that was a really unique experience that happened at this theater here, you know, where I live in Boston. That was pretty cool. I think that whole connection moment is probably at the core of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you only are more successful at spreading the idea of community and connectivity when you already have it at the place that you're doing it. And here in Boston, we are a huge tight-knit group of friends, and therefore we're a family. And we're all kind of cut from the same cloth. Whether we're musicians, actors, or technicians, we all have the same interest of creativity and doing something different and looking at the world in a different way than most people do because we want to be a part of it or we want to change it. I also think a few things connect to why the show is so successful in a communal way. One thing is our awesome marketing department who completely, and now I'm getting the eyes from Jamie, so I was successful. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm in, in all seriousness, we, we, have, we are really well seen throughout the city, and I think that that makes it, when people come to Boston, Blue Man Group is a thing to do in Boston. It's a very specific thing that people are like, oh, you're here for, if you're here for the night, have you seen Blue Man Group? The show is awesome. It's very special here. I think the other thing that really speaks to that is the history of the Charles Playhouse. It's a, yeah. it's a, almost a mecca. It's a very special place to me. I'm facing it right now. N- yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> Go put your head on the it's wall. It's a brick wall Sorry. right now at the window. Uh, <laughs> but it's a very special place where art happens every night. Not only Blue Man Group, but we also have Sheer Madness in the Basement, which is U.S.'s longest-running play. And that's right. a very special thing. I, that's something I think about a lot, that this building makes this magic thing happen every night for hundreds of people. There's got to be something tangible and, and awesome and magical about that that draws people. Charles Playhouse and, the, and that feeling that people have every night of the week that share that experience together. Coming to a place, it's like live music in Boston, same kind of thing. Coming to a place to actually enjoy something together is more of a rarity. When a lot of people are just sort of you know in their own world, on their phone, the community is not there in person. And there's that tribal, Kyle was talking about that tribal beat. To me, it gets back to that sort of, you're, you're beckoning 
people to get together and experience yeah. it. Yeah, I even think that's why the, the drum off is so successful because it's drums. It's a tribal communal thing. When you hear drums, it affects everybody internally in a real, real way. So people are going to come out to that drum off just to be rocked. By the way, the drum off is uh, September 30th, and it is at the Berkeley Beantown Jazz Festival. We talked about it before. Actually, Kyle gave a much more eloquent discussion of the Blue Man Group Boston Drum Off. But please go to blueman.com forward slash Boston Drum Off. Yes. I don't even know who you are anymore. Jonathan, one thing, you're the longest tenured, at least in the room, right? I was curious as if there's some kind of change that you've noticed when you when you when you first opened up in Boston today. Has there been a progression of some sort? Has it really just been kind of you would reinvent the music and all that? First of all, how often do you do that? And secondly, what do you notice that is definitely different from when you began to where you are today? Or is there is there a difference? Some things have changed and some things have stayed the same in the, in the best sense. So I, I think we, we think of ourselves as evergreen company. We look at the show and it, I think our creators and, you know, evaluate it and say, is this, is this still relevant? I mean, you know, and part of it is social commentary and, and staying what's relevant and, and having those elements introduced. So I think that's typically how they approach changing material. You know, is, is it a time to kind of evolve it to something a little different? And, you know, it's, it's never really a 100% whole scale new show. You know, it's, it's usually, uh, is there something that is developed? And sometimes at first it gets applied to maybe one of the tours because it is of the moment and it makes sense that it's something that could be shared in, you know, multiple shows in multiple locations. How does that happen? So is there an example of something on tour that someone thought of or someone came up with? And, and I don't know if that's going to dovetail into the whole Cirque du Soleil connection, but is there a connection with other markets or other cities that will be disseminated? Yeah. Or does it have to be? I mean, no, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's not really a a programmed thing either you know, we've operated for a lot of times does it feel right to do that you know is and you know i think the scale of the shows are different as well so if you're doing we've gone from playing you know we still do concert arenas and you know different variations of shows we had in vegas where there was a larger theater space the whole scale of like the blue and experience what works in one space might not work directly at least with the smaller shows, which are, are really New York, Boston, and Chicago, there's a certain intimacy to the, the space itself that lends itself to um, the character really translating and connecting. You know, it's less about having to fill a huge, enormous space with lights and <laughs> over, overwhelming sound. So there's, there's an art to that and a coolness to some of the larger production things, but I think the Blue Man occupies a different space within those productions and is less of maybe a primary driver. So I think in, in, in Boston, just the way if you've been to the Charles Playhouse, you know, we kind of have this wraparound balcony. You know, actually, you can see the audience and they can see you and they're all around you. And I think that's the filter through which we'll gauge like, hey, we have this new piece we come up with and would it work in Boston? Would it work in Chicago? Would it work in Astor? And how do we, how we maybe adapt it to make it work and morph it to that? So yeah, I think there's been several iterations. We've had, you know, um, larger kind of refreshes that we've done. Usually those happen maybe every three or four years. So yeah, and it's also a company where we just love constantly iterating and rediscovering the magic in, in what we have and what we're doing. And I think it's u- unique because there is there's themes and there's scripts, and then, but there's this other thing <laughs> Which is, I don't want to call it improvisational, but but it is. It's a spontaneous interaction that is allowed to occur in between the cast and the audience. That makes it not dull. You could always find a new kernel, a new way to kind of present that. Not to bring it all the way back to the drum off, but I do want to. Mm-hmm. Um, not pushing the date, but I think one of the unique things about that experience, which I think is kind of imbued with the essence of how we do what we do, 
quickly like a lot of the way Blue Man and the music in Blue Man and just the aesthetic it's it's more about um, ensemble playing and collaboration as opposed to going up and showing off your chops and, and doing that. Is, is that something that that is instilled in the judges? This is now the fourth year where they're looking for a certain musicality. Absolutely, yeah. You know, musicality. And, and that was also, you know, the first year we, we just had it, it was just the drummers playing. And we really thought a, a cool add to this would be let's incorporate the ensemble. Let's incorporate our ensemble. So not only will the guys play the drums and do what they do, kind of in a, in a solo performance aspect, but they'll also participate as an ensemble and play Blue Man music. What strikes me about the drum off all each year is, you know, we, we have the auditions and then we look at the videos, we have them come, meet all the performers, they get to come to the Charles Playhouse, hang out. They meet other performers, so it's just kind of this networking thing in the best sense. Because, you know, in Boston there's a tight-knit community and some go to Berkeley, some other are involved in other elements of the music scene. But there's this kind of meeting and like, hey, we're all kind of brought together by this moment, which I think carries on, you know, outside after as well as friendships and connections. And we get to interact with them and they get to learn um, the pieces and, and also perform with, with the Blue Man group. The music of Blue Man is so unique. I mean, you hear it and you it doesn't sound like anything else. You can tell it's Blue Man. I remember when I saw the Vegas show, I immediately went out and bought the album. It must have been late 90s maybe audio early, yeah. early uh it must yeah. have been audio it's a cassette tape, probably. yeah <laughs> and i i played it i played it over and over and over again so i know those songs and i know that those songs are still incorporated mm-hmm. but you have other music that you've added that you've continued to to write one of the shows that we had was uh the how to be a megastar tour Hmm. which was the Blue Men infiltrating or going out into the rock concert world and seeing what that was like. And a lot of songs grew out of that, and one of them specifically was a song called Time to Start, which is uh, all about rock concert movements that people do at rock concerts, you know, fist pumping and head banging. And and that is a good example of that medium where they went out and explored that. They then were like, you know, this might work in a sit-down show. So then they took that song and added it to the New York and the Chicago and the Boston shows hmm. where we now use the Time to Start song to get our audiences amped up. And It's interesting you point that out because there is like a, a common thread, like, you know, a harmonic thing, a rhythmic thing. And I kind of harken it back to so like... unique. Also, it, Blue Man Group, it's not a coincidence that it's called a group and not, you know, Blue Man theatrical production it was like kind of formed as a band it's more of a band mentality than a theater mentality you know a bunch of people that get together you kind of you know throw ideas off each other mm-hmm. and it's collaborative and you, huh. you you're all in the a band a group together because yeah. you basically like each other even though you may have creative differences so i think the music originally it was kind of a rebellion against some of the orthodoxy of 80s rock that's kind of the you know being instrument builders and playing weird instruments like the chapman stick which isn't so weird now but you know back then it was kind of a new original instrument that's the bass and the guitar the bass yeah. guitar hybrid yeah it's yeah, the a, hybrid it's, we yeah. Need to yeah. tap on it and and then you know having an electric zither instead of a guitar okay. using a lot of different effects pedals to mutate the sound and you also use like a, what are those whips that the whatever it's like a stick that you air go poles. Air, poles. Yeah, air poles which is yeah amazing. there's a whole whole battery of instruments that extend even beyond the, the band loft that's grown out of just curiosity of instrument making but you know so the genesis was like hey you know play some music that has instruments but play them in a kind of different way even the drum kit is like that you know it's just approached from a well, iconoclastic place yeah, you know? it, every city is a little bit different you know, like we talked about the tribal element. It's like mm-hmm. we're all like individual groups of the tribe, part of this one greater tribe. I was out in New York in February to watch the show there and talk to the drummer out there, this guy named Josh Matthews, who's 
I mean, people in the company have explained him to me as this like Buddha or Yoda of Blue Man drummers, and he totally he totally holds up to that. And the guy has so much knowledge about the show. What he does and what they're doing in New York is like still Blue Man drumming. It's still Blue Man music, but it's like it's got a different sauce on it. And it was explained to me. So I came back here to talk to one of our string players who's been with the company for a while, and he explained it to me as like it's like accents. It's the same language, but subtle different accents in different cities. The parts are the same, but the way it's being played is a little bit different, or the way it's being accented, or the, or the transitional fill is a little bit different. We talked with Lisa Wong, who was a, uh, a violinist, and we talked about a micro improvisation that has to do with the violin and the viola and the cello, and that you can have the same exact piece of music, but yet it's exactly what you're talking about. It's a, it's a very similar tune that you'll play, whether it's in Orlando or Boston, but there'll be that instrumentalist that will sort of have their signature. Mm-hmm. And it's like the way that Yo-Yo Ma will play yeah. something different from a different cellist. It's the same piece. It's true of Kevin and I. We're playing the same show and we're playing the same music, but we're doing things a little bit differently. And like when we both individually started, there's a template that we're given. You could just play this template and the show works and it, it functions really well. But then at a certain point, we're challenged by the people who like train us. And Kevin actually trained me when I first started. And he was always at a certain point challenging me to be more like original with ideas. The thing I've loved about being a part of this company is like you're challenged to be yourself in your playing. And it's not about executing perfection every night. It's about the growth process and figuring out how you can be more expressive with your own show because everything is a little bit different. It's always ever-evolving. And the same is true for being a blue man. Like, you learn the form, but then you're also encouraged to figure out how to break that form in a respectful way, respectful to the character and to the audience and the writing of the show, but still pushing the boundaries of impulses. Is that why it just keeps going? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, did we just answer that question? It's, it's fascinating because it, if it's the same exact thing... I mean, why does, why does anything keep going? I, look at it from the inside... There's a passion for this show every right. night that if you talk Sorry. to anybody here, they have an investment in it. And that maybe that's kind of it. Like you can find your own voice in a character that could constantly renew itself, you know, within the evolution of the writing in the meta sense, but also your own participation in it. That's what keeps a project alive and vital. I liked how you brought up that the drummer that you met up with in New York, he was kind of like the Buddha. There's a very spiritual thing about Blue Man, and, and I'm trying to think of, of why that is. Those three guys on stage seem like peaceful. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. And say shamans? Like, that's exactly a word that we're taught as yeah. blue men. Sorry. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's, I can't put my finger on why I feel that way. Because you're up there and doing silly things and you're making me laugh and you're throwing things and you're eating marshmallows and you're doing all these crazy things on stage, but there's still like a Zen, Buddha, shaman. Even the music is like in your face, but for whatever reason, there's a spiritualness to it, and I don't, I don't know why. I'm, for me, it speaks to me in a way that the blue men know something that we all don't know, or you do know it. It's just hiding inside of you. It's a, it's a thing that children have or something, and then you lose it. But sorry, what is fascinating, no, sorry, is that you no, you I'm, know it. You are a blue man. Oh, yeah, I but know it But you're not right now in this room. <laughs> but the, I get you? I see... <laughs> That can actually personally get me into trouble sometimes. Like when I'm out in the regular world, Bloomin' is my life. Now that you've been doing this for 15 years, has that, has that changed the way that you literally physically look at things? Yeah. Like if you're in the grocery store, I, uh, will I, you look at the guy at the deli counter and just like stare at him for a little while? 
Uh, <laughs> I'm putting I that in the spot. I'm I just sorry, tend to something I just, about this that has changed your. You know, I definitely way, look right? at the world in a, in a different way. I want to look at things and just see them differently. When I auditioned, I had seen the Blue Man show. I knew that I I loved it, but the Blue Man audition is extremely bizarre. And now when you do it, it you're kind of given certain games that are nonverbal games to to show how you what you can do physically. When I first auditioned, the first thing was drumming, and, and I was pretty okay at that, and I got past that part. The next part was I was alone in a room with the casting director, and the room was about three times smaller than this. It was just a room with me and her. She asked me to do express something with my eyes, and before I went into the audition, I thought they were going to have me do something, and I remember sitting there with a Hershey kiss. I always like to think that the like if the blue man right now is not really interested in that cup. They're interested in the the straw. And the blue man would probably take that straw of this Starbucks cup and make an instrument out of it or something. You know, I don't know if this is kind of necessary, but you know, it's something different. And so I was with there sitting with this Hershey kiss, and I just got rid of the, the Hershey kiss and had the wrapper hmm. and started crinkling it. And I I thought maybe that's what they were going to have me do in the audition and look at the world in a different way. But instead, it was just about my eyes and what I could mentally do and have it come out through my eyes. Huh. So going back through the years that I've done this, that allows me to look at things and not see them for what they are, but see them for what they could be. And whether that be an object or a person or a relationship, and I'm not trying to sound like I am the shaman who knows everything. I'm the shaman who's trying to figure everything out because I don't know everything. But that's a and very I- spiritual thing. I mean, that's that's the whole idea behind religion and Zen and whatever your your thing is. Yeah. It's about trying to find whatever speaks to you. And I actually wanted to say, I think one of the things that makes Blue Man continue is you can't describe it. You can't tell people what it is. For people to know what it is, you have to come see it. Yeah. And I think that that gives it a life that can't be taken away, ever. To that point, it's something you were saying earlier, Jonathan, about the social commentary within the show. Before I got hired, I came and saw the show like, it was like three months before and it was like ran. I didn't know they were going to be having auditions or anything. And I was like, "This is really cool. This is this is a great show." And I was really entertained. I had a lot of fun. And after I got hired, I started watching the show more. And like, I remember I was in like my third show watch, and all these subtler elements to the show just like hit me like it was super hard. Mm. And everything that the Blue Men were doing, and what was happening musically, and in the narrative within the show. There's no speaking, there's no words, but there is a narrative to everything. For me, great like film or great albums are the type that I can listen to multiple times and you can keep deducting something from it. It's like if you listen to like any great musician, you listen to Miles Davis enough times, you're going to like go on some journey deeper, you're gonna find something else there to latch onto. I totally think Blue Man has that quality. And I know for me too, every time I'm playing the show, there's something more that I can deduct from it. There's so much I still haven't learned about, like what does Mike think at this moment in the show? And how can I better express that in the show? It's like this never ending puzzle because it's people and everyone's changing and the show is changing all the time. There is a spiritual element in the sense of, even the commentary is not, it's kind of open-ended. You know, are are we embracing this? Are we critical of it? Are we not? I think that thread runs through all Blue Man Group. Like, there's a narrative, but the narrative is that we don't know what to make of this, but we're all in this room, <laughs> and through experiencing it and engaging with it, you know, we're going to form some interpretation of it in this moment. The Blue Man, back to that religious example, but the Blue Man is sort of a facilitator, and through the eyes of the audience member, they're looking at the Blue Man, sort of looking at that glass. There is a suspension of, like, really being in this moment and not have a preconceived notion about what an object is or what the next action I should make is. So it's it's 
this openness to yeah inviting in re- reality like it's the first time you've encountered this or which is a mental exercise on one, on one level, you know, but re- really good at doing that. And that's so it it's, speaks you know, to innate, like instinctual responses that you can have to things, you know, I'm not a master at it, but I think about it a lot. <laughs> and it's like, like the way a, a baby would look at a red ball is different exactly. than the way an adult would look at a red ball. But the blue man is always approaching it in terms of a, more of a baby. You approach the big tube and you approach it like, you're not sure what it is, but what if I do this and it makes a sound? And you can yeah. see, as the audience, you see the discovery on stage of what you're doing. And that's mm-hmm. part of the genius, though, because that's acting, too. You didn't just discover that today. No. <laughs> you're I did discovering that every day. <laughs> you're yeah. rediscovering. You're, yeah, really. you're like amnestic to the whole thing. Babies are perfect to watch as a blue man who's being trained. Like, you can watch an infant and be like, oh my God, that this thing is a better oh, blue man than I am. As also are dogs they're blue babies my first day of blue man training we went to the dog park in washington washington square park and watched dogs for two and a half hours are there any um blue man heads what in other words like a dead head or a fish head or oh groupies, are there anybody fans. that you that you like blue man groupies super that's fans. what they literally fans. come here <laughs> super fans yeah super fans yes and you they recognize are, someone all the time there's a lot of really great people who love this show and they come back for more and they will bring us gifts they've made t-shirts for us and they'll so oftentimes when they come as big groups they'll sit and they'll have special reactions to parts that they know are coming up like they hoot and holler at a space where we know that they want them to hoot and holler they get it yes they get it because i went to a amusement park i don't know last year so we went to this roller coaster and there was a guy there in line that said i'm a coaster fanatic or whatever anyway so he goes all around the world to go to different roller coasters and it just reminded me is there are there people that travel and sort of tour with you guys or say oh i saw blue men in berlin must be right yeah yeah so people will see the vegas show and there's a whole group of people who build their own instruments that have been really inspired by the blue man group and i think that's what is inviting about the show because you're pushing for that connection it's not the typical performer audience barrier that's there you walk away going you know this isn't this like thing up on high it's like there's a specific gesture that the blue men have where we have you know our our upward arms like this you know and when we're leaving at the end of the show and we're doing that it can totally be seen as and thought of as thank you and goodbye but really what we're doing is we're saying remember everything that we just did don't forget it hold on to it put it in a really special place (laughs) because you can do it too hold on to that it's very special what we're we're doing don't forget it's a moment it's a very powerful moment at the end when you do that and what's the music like isn't it some like powerful Mm. like it's a what is it Uh, don't you don't have to sing it's very it's very uh um monumental yes it's triumphant it's a triumphant very triumphant it's the culmination of everything it's awesome and you don't want to forget it what the show creates has to be held on to and it's yours to hold on to it because the blue men are gonna we have to go we hope that we were successful in doing it but in in three seconds the lights are gonna turn out and we're not gonna exist anymore but what we did here is in the air and that's another thing that will help you retain what you've learned or, or experienced from the show well, thank you guys. This is this was fantastic, really. I've always loved Blue Man, and I'm psyched to see it tonight. But it's a special thing you guys got here. It really is. Yeah, thanks. It is. We're very. I uh, feel very fortunate. 
Absolutely. Very grateful to be. It's a lot of fun. It's together, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's been a great day, so thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank thanks you for, for coming and for having us. Our pleasure. And don't forget, September 30th. <laughs> so submit your videos by September 11th, right? To blueman.com forward slash Boston drum off. Wow. So you guys didn't know I was going to do no. that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
We would like to thank Jonathan, Mike, Kyle, Kevin, and all the kind people at Blue Man for opening up their home to us to see a little bit into how all the magic that is Blue Man comes together. Don't forget you have until September 11th, 2017 to submit your entry into the Boston Drum Off. Go to bluemangroup.com forward slash Boston Drum Off for more information. And if you haven't seen them, we have a few videos of us backstage with the Blue Men, as well as some great footage of the Blue Man Band from the loft that you should really check out. They are on our video page at AboveTheBasement.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. On behalf of Ronnie and myself, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. Unique.